Hi, I'm Jeremy Eckert. My wife Candace and I are the campus pastors at the Ridge Park Hill. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope that this message connects with you, reveals God's word of truth in your life. Be encouraged, take courage, and enjoy. Well, guys, tonight we have uh, an awesome opportunity um, to hear from some of our young ministers. So we've got two students and one young adult that will bring us the word tonight, and I'm very excited about what God is doing in the next generation. Just like Caleb, when we first came, was like 11, or when they first came, was like 11 years old, and now he's leading worship and doing a great job. Some of these people were in the nursery when we came, and we've seen them grow and mature in the great things of God. Tonight, the theme is around a a question that Jesus answered. Uh, Jesus was teaching one day, and He was stumping the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. And And then one of the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Jesus, tell me this, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered and said, Jesus replied, this is Matthew 22, 35 and 36, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He was referencing Deuteronomy. I think it's chapter 6, verse 5. Don't quote me on that. But he's referencing Deuteronomy, and that is the first and greatest commandment. And so tonight, we have three short messages from three incredibly anointed and talented individuals that... We'll explain some things, biblical examples, and, and some, some word around this central topic. That the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. The beautiful, the talented Isabella Hertzberg. So I'm going to talk about Solomon. And um, if you don't know, Solomon was known as the wisest man to ever live. God granted him... Um, an incredible and magnificent amount of wisdom, and yet he was a man who turned his heart away from God. And so we're going to talk about that in his story and how God turned Solomon's mess into a message to help other people from doing and making the same mistakes he did, even being the wisest person. So um, first we're going to talk about David, which was Solomon's dad, who was a man after God's own heart. He loved God so much, but David had a problem with women. And because of this, he was an adulterer, and he went through a whole long thing, and that's how Solomon came along. If you don't know the story of David and Bathsheba, basically, she was taking a bath. David was like, I want her joined together, not in marriage. Anyways, killed her husband. Then they, she got pregnant, lost a baby, and then they finally got married made it right, and then they had Solomon later on, which was an amazing story that he even became king because he was, um, he just was just some random adulterer's kid. So anyways, God teaches us multiple lessons throughout Solomon's story and how he over and how we can overcome and avoid doing what he did. So uh, number one, one of the biggest things is don't let your parents' failures become yours. And Solomon did a, he let the same thing that got his father into temptation and into sin and a lot of trouble, he let the same thing get to him. So Solomon was the wisest man to ever lived, and he failed because of his sin. God even warned him what would happen. So he, God told the Israelites in 1 Kings 11.2, and it said, They were nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, You must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. 
Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. So he blatantly disobeyed God, being this wise man. And uh, he followed in his father's footsteps just the same. And it caused him a whole lot of trouble with the women that he intermarried that we're going to talk about in just a second. So number two, don't let the devil get a foothold. Solomon did this by letting by marrying all of these foreign women. It said he had uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines. So that's a lot of people. And I mean, imagine all of the different gods that came into Solomon's life. And because of this, he let the devil get a foothold, knowing that he was doing something he wasn't supposed to do. And because of this, he fell. And it says that in the Bible, the devil is a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. So he, Solomon knew what he was doing was wrong, and it, he, he didn't look at his life and say, listen, my father did this, he stumbled and fell, so I'm not going to do that. He didn't identify what his weaknesses and what his temptations were, and if he would have, he would have known better to know that you know, this was a place where the devil could get him. So it says in 1 Kings 11.4, it says, As Solomon grew older, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Solomon opened the door for the devil to tempt him when he married these foreign women. And uh, even after David had sinned, he was still a man after God's own heart, but Solomon turned his heart from God. And that's something that's just crazy to think about. So number three, learn from others' mistakes. I know people tell you, like, don't do this and don't do that. But honestly, the Bible is the prime example of what God wants us to learn from other people's mistakes. Like, you see everybody's tea. He spills all the tea in the Bible, just saying. Like, if you want to know everybody's business, it's there. Like, forever. Everyone gets to read about it. So, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if we had a Bible, there would be some major problems, <laughs> like, about now. But, um you're not called to be like everybody else. You're called to be set apart. So don't, don't follow in other people's footsteps and make the same mistakes just to, to look cool or to fit in. You're supposed to be a light wherever you are. And by doing that, you can uh, make a way for other people to set a good example so that they'll follow in good footsteps instead of like Solomon following in his father's bad footsteps. Anyways, uh, and then also my last thing is that just everyone has a testimony in their life. And I encourage you to use it and turn your mess into a message, just like God did with Solomon. And even though Solomon didn't actually uh, use it, God did. And so, but you can, because I know everyone has made mistakes. Everyone has a testimony and a past. So instead of being like Solomon, learn from, your, learn from others' mistakes and use that to help other people. Thank you, Bella. That was excellent. Solomon, the man who had... A lot. <laughs> but, honestly, great example. Um, we were talking about uh, the different topics that could go with loving the Lord your God in, in our senior high class, and Solomon's name came up from, from Bella because he, he loved the Lord. He did. He built a temple for the Lord. He sacrificed to the Lord. He danced before the Lord. He's, he's, but he wasn't with his whole heart. And that fraction of his heart that went to the foreign women, that fraction of his heart that went into other gods, that fraction of his heart that sought the things of this world was his downfall. And we're going to use his example to make sure that, that we don't do the same things. Very good. Thank you so much, Bella. Next, the anointed.
the talented, Grayson McFessel. Well, I'm going to be talking about how love is a choice, and we have a choice whether we show love for God or we don't. An example of this is Job. Job was a man who was blameless and feared God, but this fear is not like a scared fear, but of a respect for God. And he was also very wealthy. He had 10 children, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 oxen, and 500 donkeys, and a very large number of servants. The Bible also says that he was the greatest man among all the people of the East. But one day, the angels came to present themselves to the Lord, and Satan came as well. And the Lord said, Where did you come from? And Satan said, From roaming throughout the earth. Then the Lord said, Have you considered my servant Job? For he is blameless and fears God and shuns evil. Then Satan suggested that he is only faithful because of the things he has. So God gave him the power to take away his possessions, but not lay a finger on him. So one day, a messenger came to Job, saying that a group called the Sabians came and stole his oxen and donkeys and killed the servants, and he was the only one who survived. While the messenger was still speaking, another messenger came, saying that the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and stole their camels and killed all their servants, but he was the only one who escaped. Yet another messenger came and said that suddenly a mighty wicked a mighty wind came in from the desert and caused the house to collapse that their children were in, and they were all dead. This is a terrible thing. Then Job got up from there, tore his robe, and shaved his hair. I don't know many people that would love God for this. They would probably blame him for everything. But in chapter 1, verse 20, it says that he fell to the ground in worship. This is how we should be, even when our material things have been taken away, such as our house or car or even a family member or a close friend. Another day, Satan again presented himself before God, but this time told him that Job would curse God to his face if he took away his health. So God allowed Satan to touch his body, but he could not kill him. Then Satan went and afflicted Job with painful sores and boils from head to toe. Job even took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself. And... His wife came to him saying, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Job had a very difficult choice right here. He could have, but he maintained his integrity and decided not to blame God for all of this. And for remaining faithful to God, he blessed him with twice as many possessions and children as he had before. And this shows us that we need to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, even in the good times and the bad, because God could be testing us throughout all these trials to see if we truly love him. Yeah. All right, thanks, Grayson. Again, we were talking in the senior high class uh, a few weeks ago, um, talking about this topic, and, uh, and Bella and Grayson were there, and Bella talked about Solomon, and Grayson talked about Job, because, it, and, and rightfully so, it's easy to love God when everything's going great. It's easy to say, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dance when the music's good, right? I'm going I'm to sing when I can hit the, when I can hit the pitch. I'm, I'm going to do those things. I'm going to play when I can win. And it's easy to always want to be, uh, it's easy to love God when, when it's smooth sailing and life's good. But when things get rough, Grayson's 100% right. A lot of people react by blaming God. 
And the truth of the matter is that bad things do happen to good people. It happens because we live in a fallen world. And it happens because choices have consequences. And sometimes those choices aren't even our own choices, but they do affect us. But every time there's a shadow that we have to walk through, every time that there's a storm that we have to brave, every time that we're in some deep, dark valley and feel very alone, the Bible says that He's right there with us. And it's a great head knowledge, and we let that water our faith, but the truth is, sometimes it doesn't feel like that. And in that time, that's when we get to choose if we love God or not, because we've talked in here a lot about love. That love is a choice. If you talk about romantic love, no matter what, whatever kind of love you talk about, brotherly love, all of those things, love is a choice. And to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind is a choice. And it's easy to choose when life is good. And it's hard to choose when you have to continue to wait for healing. When you have to continue to wait for that breakthrough. When you have to suffer loss and there's a family dynamic that shifts. It's a hard choice to make sometimes, but love is a choice. And it's easier when we step back. And I believe this is, this is Job's secret. That he was able to step back a little bit and say, you know what, I see the bigness of God and I see my situation, and there's really no comparison. Because God is so big, and I'm fully convinced that He's going to take this. Thank you for listening today. We invite you to be part of our online community by subscribing to this podcast to receive the latest episodes in your inbox. We will begin meeting as a physical campus in early 2020. If you live in the central Arkansas area and would like to be part of our launch team, please visit us online by clicking the link in the description below. You're also more than invited to attend our main campus at 8013 Jacksonville Cato Road in Sherwood, Arkansas with lead pastors Kenny and Krista McBessel. We'll see you soon. Thank you.